Pray with me, please. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say amen, amen, amen and amen. Well, today I want to talk about calamities. Calamities. A calamity is defined as an event that causes great and often sudden damage. A calamity is a disaster. A calamity is a tragedy. A calamity is a bad thing. Now, there are many calamities reported in the news. We all got to do is pick up the newspaper or watch MSNBC or CNN or whatever channel we care to watch, Fox News, the calamity in itself. And we can see calamities. We can see calamities. How about that train wreck in Ohio? Wasn't that a calamity? And the kidnapping of those brothers and sisters who went to Mexico to get some cosmetic surgery. That was a calamity. Of course, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a calamity. But there's a civil war in Ethiopia that's been going on since 2018. And the fighting there has killed hundreds of thousands of people and displaced many more. And it's taken a once vibrant economy in Africa and put it in the ditch. That's a calamity. But you know, there are also calamities that are never, ever reported. Dr. Marvin Dunn is an emeritus professor at Florida International University. And he's written a book called Florida Through Black Eyes. Florida Through Black Eyes. And in explaining the purpose of his book, he writes this, and I quote, blacks were left out or marginalized in most accounts of Florida history because to be included, and if they told the real story, it would mean telling the embarrassing, horrific, bloody truth about the underbelly of Florida and the brutal bigots who controlled the state for so long. And it would also mean that they would have told the story of some heroic black people who resisted oppression with words and sometimes arms, end quote. In other words, to tell the story of Florida, the racial calamities must be told as well. And somehow that governor down there doesn't want to tell it. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible tells the calamities that befall the people within its pages of its holy text. Adam, Eve, David, Ruth, Bathsheba. They all face the same calamities that we face today. The calamity of greed, the calamity of lying, the calamity of stealing, the calamity of murder, the calamity of adultery. A 
along with the calamity of being unfaithful to God and his teachings. However, it's the teaching and the preaching and the reading of God's calamities that can help us, the calamities that God's people do, can help us forsake the other calamities that may be in our lives. So it's with that understanding that I want to talk today about the calamity that we see in our text. The Israelites, you know about them. For 40 long years, what did they do? They wandered in the desert. They went from place to place to place to place. And many biblical scholars said they were less than a mile from the promised land. They were really close, but they were just wandering around and around and around and around. And doing that wandering around and around and around, they faced many calamities. If you just take a look at the book of Numbers, seven calamities are listed, but I only want to do three of them. Hope you count with me. Calamity number three, the newly freed Israelites who were slaves, mind you, complained about their hardships, saying in Numbers 11.4, who will give us meat? Calamity number two, Marion, the sister of Moses, who helped deliver him at the Nile River, along with her brother Moses, denounced, I mean, along with her brother Aaron, I should say, denounced Moses. Talk about some sibling rivalry. And then calamity number one that is outlined in Numbers 16, 1 through 3, when we observe 250 leaders of the Israelite community rising up against Moses, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Calamity, calamity, calamity. When will it ever end? Now the passage that we're studying today, Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites were encamped at a place where there was no water. Water is vital for life, isn't it? We can do without food for a little bit, but let us do without water. So they were extremely thirsty, and they turned to Moses, crying out that they had been brought by Moses and God to this desert to die. And in their distress, they wondered, was the Lord with them or not? During that calamity, they wondered if the Lord was with them or not. So what did Moses do? He was frustrated. He was angry. He went to God. And then God gave Moses a bit of instruction. He told Moses to take his staff and strike the rock. And water came out of that rock. And the Israelites were thirsty no more. God was with them. Now, saints, as we said in the call to worship, we are like the Israelites. We are like the Israelites. Oh, okay, all right, one more time. Let me not say y'all, me. I'm like the Israelites. Roaming around from calamity from to calamity. 
frustrated, wondering sometimes when I'm in this calamity or that calamity, is the Lord really with me? Has the Lord forsaken me? In these moments, we need to be like who? Moses. In our frustration and in our despair, we need to be like Moses and go to the Lord. We need to go to the Lord for comfort. We need to go to the Lord for guidance. And we need to go to the Lord for solutions. But when we do, we can be assured that despite the calamities of our life, God is truly with us. We can know that God is truly with us by answering this simple question. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Now for Moses, what was in his hand was what? The staff. And with that staff, that staff represented many things. What was Moses' profession? He was a sheep herder. So with that staff, it represented him and his profession of being a sheep herder. All of his wealth was tied up in sheep. He didn't have a 401k. And fortunately, he didn't have any money in that California bank. It was also a symbol of his craft, meaning that as a sheep herder, he could take that staff and make his herd move to the left, make his herd move to the right, do all sorts of things with that herd because of the power of that shaft. But with God, that staff was filled with a different type of power. At the burning bush in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, God turned that staff into a snake in an effort to get Moses to go do what God wanted him to do, which was what? Free God's people. And then when Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh, and remember, around Easter time, the Ten Commandments comes on television. So all this stuff I'm talking about, you will see in the Ten Commandments. And Moses and Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh. And what happened? Aaron took the staff, threw it down, and became a snake and ate the snakes of the Pharaoh. And it brought everybody to their knees. And you know what happened with the staff when Moses was at the sea. And how the sea parted. Because the staff was in his hand. But God was in his heart. So the question for all of us is once again. What's in your hand? Just Baron, In your hand at one time was a pencil. And then it became a pen. And then it became a gavel. And with God, you made such a difference and continue to make such a difference in the lives of men. Brother Skip, at one time in your hand was the tools of the kitchen, the knife, the pot, the pan. But today in your hand is a wheel, 
but it's just more than a wheel on a bus. It is your powerful, godly membership of the children who come on the bus every day to see Mr. Skip. Natalie, in your hand is a computer or a cell phone. <laughs> and on that keyboard and in the controls that you have, you allow us to take the message of God to who knows who yeah. through the power of the internet. But also, Natalie, in your hand, I know from time to time, is a musical instrument. And with it, you can create sounds that bring all of us to heaven. What's in your hand? It does not take the calamities of life to know that God is with us. And in our hand is his hand. And when our hands are in God's hand, it is no telling what we can do. Our Black History Moment today was about a woman named Yvette Lee Browser. If you watch the show Living Single, this woman at 27 years of age created the show and what is called the showrunner. That show, Living Single, ran on Fox Television, but it was the precursor for a show that made millions of more dollars called Friends. Friends is nothing but the black version, the white version, I should say, of Living Single. And for 30 years, Lynette Lee Bowser has continued to create television magic. And it all stemmed from the fact that her mother early on put a book in her hand and steered her imagination. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because it is what is in your hand and what's in your heart that will get us through all of the calamities that we find in our lives today. Because just because we have decided to follow Jesus does not mean that the calamities of our lives will stop. We will have calamities of money. Again, put your money in that California bank and you'll find out. I hear Wells Fargo may be going under. Got to get my money out of there. <laughs> Did someone say me too? <laughs> I, I'm not trying to spread a rumor. <laughs> What's in your hand? We'll face calamities in this life. But it's the Lord that will give us the solutions and the power to get out of those calamities. So the question today is this. Is your hand in the hand of the Lord? It's your hand in the hand of the Lord. If it is not, and you would like your hand to be in the hand of the Lord, then I'd like for you to pray with me, please. 
Lord my God, how I am often wonder. And I consider all the world that you have made. Yeah. Father, I come this morning as a sinner. I come this morning sometimes doubting if you are with me. But Lord, I come this morning trusting in you. And again, saying that I am a sinner, but I need your grace. I need your love. I come humbly to you. Lord, save me. Make me new. Allow me to use the capabilities that you have put in my hand for your glory and your honor. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, you are not saved. But as I say each and every week, your salvation only is as good as where you practice your salvation. And that is here at Greater Bethel. We're trying to help you set up some temple every single day to make you stronger in your faith. And so, in just a few moments, I'm going to come down and I will hold out my hand and I hope that someone here will give me your hand and God your heart. And if you're looking online or listening to this later in a podcast, all I'd like for you to do is just reach out to me. You can give me a phone call or send me a text. My number is 608 608- 358-1309 would love to hear from you would love to talk to you as many people have already done as we have a conversation about your faith now for our benediction which is a covering of God's grace until we meet again May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love and fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you and rest with you, henceforth, now, and forevermore. Let us all say.